undo yeah. that which the enemy has wrought. Just to totally undo it. Thank you, Lord. That your work by the Spirit of God might be done in his body. That your will for healing his body and restoring him would be done. Yeah. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're moving in the hearts of people. Those who have been infirmed, God. Bringing wisdom to them about what they've been saying, what they've been thinking. Helping them. Turn that around. Turn that around. Turn around what they've been saying. Not just about their situation, what they've been saying about life, mm. the outlook. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord, thank for utterance today. Yes. Thank you for ears to hear. Yeah. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Your good and your mercy endures forever. You are good and your mercy endures forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what will be accomplished in every heart and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Look somebody next to you say, the life of God dwells in me. God dwells in me. And the life of God dwells in you. And the life of God dwells therefore, in you. Therefore, you have victory. You have victory in every situation, in every situation under every circumstance, under every circumstance, and in every place. And, every and, your, place, victory and your victory releases a fragrance, releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God knowledge everywhere, of God, you, go. everywhere you go. Praise Amen. the Lord. You can be seated. Just want to take just a moment here, uh, very quickly. You know, we've been talking about the body we are. Uh, the body of Christ. We are a local church body. As we saw Jesus uh, mention the church twice in the Gospels. Once he was talking about that universal church, every believer in every time and from every place. So there is a body that is much greater throughout time. We call it the universal body. We know there's an international body. We are the local church body. And the understanding of that and to understand what we can do as a group of people coming together, not just to affect our own personal life, but one another as we come together, but also creating an impact and a resource for the body even beyond our four walls and ourselves. And so we have an opportunity this morning uh, uh, to affect people on another uh, <coughs> continent, another side of the world. And so in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10, it says, Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply. Somebody say multiply. Multiply. Multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruit of your righteousness mm -hmm. while you are enriched in everything. And isn't that something? God's always at work. I mean, when we're just thinking about we're operating and, and participating and giving and receiving, it says he's supplying, he's multiplying, yeah. he's increasing, and all the while, you're being enriched in everything. Somebody say everything. Everything. In everything for all generosity, and it causes thanksgiving to God. And so we just have an opportunity that I want to uh, put before you uh, in Dunamis, Nepal. 
there's many students that come there, and because of uh, the economy of their nation, uh, they can't afford the whole school. And so uh, Tony started a sponsorship for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, this session, there's 15 students who still don't have a sponsorship. Just $3,750, I think, is what it comes to. And so we have an opportunity to affect uh, Bible school students across the world here because God supplied seed to us because we're sowers, right? Bread for food. But in that sowing, he'll increase the fruit of our righteousness. It'll go farther than just our four walls. It'll go farther than just mm -hmm. our family. It'll start to reach into lives across the world. Amen. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, thanksgiving goes up to God <coughs> because of your generosity. Amen. Yeah. So there's 15 students out there. Uh, if, if, you're make, if you want to participate in this, if you're making a check, make it out to New Creation Church. Uh, on the memo line, uh, put dunamis. And so uh, we'll make sure that all of this gets to sponsoring students. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Tasha and I are going to sponsor at least two. I say that because I know we'll have two. She might come back and say, why'd you say two? I have four. Uh, mm -hmm. I haven't talked to her about it, but we'll do at least two. And so uh, if you want to pick up a couple, um, mm -hmm. praise the Lord. We'll just make sure we can get this taken yeah. care of just in a moment. Uh, so if you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you can buy cash or debit or credit card, on tax receipt for giving, raise your hand. Uh, praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. This is one of the ways that we can worship God uh, in our Jesus. giving. Amen. Praise yeah. the Lord. Yep. And if you're given by text, the number is up there. I believe that we'll knock this out uh, just that quick. Yeah. And those students, uh, those students and uh, those at Dunamis won't even have to think twice about it. Uh, it'll be taken care of. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And we are blessed. How many, how many of you are blessed? Yes. Praise the Lord. About half of you. But I just declare that you are, you are blessed. Amen. And uh, hallelujah. Praise God forever. All right, while well, they're getting ready uh, to receive that, you know, Tasha and I had an argument about who was going to preach today. No, we both have a message to preach, and uh, uh -huh. she was telling me she has a message, and so I just, uh, I feel like that uh, what God's put on her heart uh, is going to be powerful and impactful, and so she's going to bring the Word of God to us today, and uh, it's going to be good. Amen. And so uh, I have one, so she might preach this, this service. I might preach the next service. She might preach both services. Uh, and then tonight we'll still have, uh, we'll have a good time. We've been having a great time on Sunday night, so I encourage you to come back. Amen. Let's pray over this offering. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, and we magnify you, God. We thank you that you are the one that supplies seed for us to sow. You supply bread for food. I thank you that you are increasing the fruit of our righteousness. That it begins to increase even into the uttermost parts of the world. And so we just thank you. I thank you for the generosity of this people. I thank you for the thanksgiving that goes up to heaven because of the generosity of this people. Mm -hmm. And I declare according to your word, you supply their every need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You can go ahead and Amen. pass those buckets. And after the buckets have gone by, why don't you just open up your hearts? You can even put your hands together and welcome Pastor Tasha as she comes to minister to us. Thanks. Thank you. I knew I was going to step on that. All right. Got some stuff here. Just in case. All right. Oh, it's good to be here this morning, isn't it? 
we are going to uh, talk about continuing on our series, We Are the Body, and we are the body. And, uh, you know, sometimes in the body, different things take place, and uh, there's opportunity for offenses, or there's opportunity for disagreements, or things like that. And today, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about, you could call this message, eight ways that we deal and heal in the body. <laughs> because there's a lot of things that we deal with and, you know, I've, I've heard of something more recently called church hurt. You know, people get hurt in the body of Christ. And so we have to heal as well. And God has laid out a wonderful uh, portion in his word that speaks to the body. You know, the letters that Paul wrote are written to churches. And so the instruction in them are to churches. And since we are in churches, these letters have a lot to say to us. And so we're going to go over to Philippians today, and you can go with me over to Philippians 4. There is a wonderful portion of scripture here where Paul talks to the church. So I'm going to start out, though, um, just reading out of James. James 3.13, and they'll put it up so you can look and you can stay in in uh, Philippians, but it says this, it says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom doesn't descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing will be there. Why is strife in the church such a big deal? Because it brings confusion and every evil thing. It's a work of the flesh. And so then it goes on and it says this, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Wow, what a powerful scripture. So you know, part of the evidence that we're growing in maturity, that we're really becoming the people that God wants us to be is the fact that we walk in love. And that we walk in love not just to the world, but we walk in love with those in the body. And so it's important that we understand this, um, you know, that we're not offended and hurt or jealous and angry at everything that happens within our departments or the place where we serve or the people that we sit next to. You know, a few weeks back when I ministered, we raised our hands and we said, I will not be offended with my brothers and sisters in Christ because it's a big deal to God. And we're going to look at what a big deal it is. You know, it's the law of love that we live by. And Brother Hagen said this in his book, Growing Up Spiritually. He said, the law of the family of God is that you love one another as I have loved you. You know, Jesus told us that, to love one another as he loved us. And then he goes on and he says, how did he love us? Because we deserved it? No. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Not because we deserved it. He loved us while we were yet unloved, unlovely. He loved us while we were yet sinners. 
And guess what? Everybody in the church is working it out, right? We're working on ourselves. And so it's a great place to be, and it's a great place to grow. So in the Word of God, there is this uh, portion of Scripture that Paul wrote a letter to the church, the Philippian church. And it starts out uh, in chapter 4, verse 1, this way. It says, Therefore, my brethren, whom I love and yearn to see, my delight and crown, wreath of victory, thus stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. Now, Notice the heart that he has for these people. He's like, we have done some things together. We have uh, spent time and we have ministered together. And I yearn to see you. You are in my heart and I am in yours. But there's something else that's in his heart as he writes the Philippian church. And he says this. He says, I entreat and advise Yodia and I entreat and advise Syntyche to agree and to work in harmony in the Lord. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so there's two ladies in the church that are having a problem with one another. And we know that because of how he speaks to them. He says, look, we have done so many things together that have been good, awesome, amazing things. Why are you in this disagreement? I urge you to agree. Now, I know these names in here are, are a little different, so I've given these ladies nicknames. You could say it this way. I entreat and I advise you oughta. And I entreat and I advise so touchy <laughs> to agree. <laughs> and to work in harmony in the Lord. See, all the disagreements in the church start that way because there's a you oughta or there's a so touchy. Or maybe there's both, you know, right here they are. And we can be so offended or we can think we're right and be a you oughta, right? But Paul has words of advice for them and, and we're gonna read it through. It says, and I exhort you too, my genuine yoke fellow, help these two women to keep on cooperating. For they have toiled along with me in the spreading of the good news, the gospel, as have Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Delight, gladden yourselves in him. Again, I say, rejoice. Let all men know and perceive and recognize your unselfishness, your considerateness, your forbearing spirit. The Lord is near. He is coming soon. Do not fret or have anxiety about anything, but in every circumstance, in everything, by prayer and petition, def define, definite requests, sorry, with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God, and God's peace shall be yours, that tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot, whatever sort that is, that peace which transcends all understanding shall garrison and mount guard over your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Then he says, for the rest, 
brethren. Whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these and weigh and take into account these things. Fix your minds on them. You know, when you're in a disagreement, you tend to fix your mind on something. He says, here, this is what we need to fix our minds on. And then he says, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me and model your way of living on it. And the God of peace, of undisturbed, untroubled well-being will be with you. Wow. So we're pulling out eight things today that Paul tells the church and these ladies, when we have a disagreement, what do we do? How do we uh, really come to a place where we're at peace and where we can sit next to people in the church and not feel anything but love, right? Where, how do we come to that place? So we're going to uh, look at just a couple scriptures here of how serious God takes strife. Galatians 5.15 says this, but if you bite and devour one another in partisan strife, be careful that you and your whole fellowship are not consumed by one another. Do you know that it's a strategy of the enemy to get us against one another instead of for one another? And if he can divide, then he can conquer. But that's why God tells us that we need to walk in love, that we live by the law of love, that love is so important and that we really put love first. Proverbs 17, 14 says this. It says, the beginning of strife is as when water first trickles from a crack in a dam. Therefore, stop contention before it becomes worse and quarreling breaks out. Now, you, this is just a picture right here, a crack in a dam. It's just a drip. And guess what? That's how it starts. But it's up to us whether the dam busts forth or not. And we can keep the dam from busting. And then it says in Proverbs 20, verse 3, it says, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife and to keep aloof from it, but every fool will quarrel. You know, when we have a disagreement, when we have a problem in the church, we don't want to be the fool. We want to be the wise. So how do we be the wise? Well, here are eight ways or points that to deal and heal in the body of Christ. And uh, they're going to put them up there, and we'll go four at a time here. And the first one is, and we read it, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. And he said it was so important that I want you to remember this. I'm going to say it twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, let me say it again, rejoice. He said, this is so important that we have to say it twice, so we'll remember it. You know, everything, uh, we have the opportunity when something comes to just let it go. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Well, it means let go of the other things because we cannot hold grievances and offenses and rejoice in the Lord at the same time. Right. You know, it's difficult, but when we rejoice in the Lord, those are not in the forefront. So he says, keep your focus on me. Don't put your focus on someone else and don't put your focus on yourself. 
Keep your focus on me. What am I doing in the midst? What points of rejoicing do we have? Rejoicing and irritation cannot coexist. So we got to find something to rejoice about. And if the only thing we can rejoice about is the fact that, well, I guess we're both saved, then let's go for it. Because, I mean, that's a good place to start. So we are interdependent, not independent. And that's really why this is important. Because when we rejoice in the Lord, we remember that we are all His. And that we're doing a work together. And we're not focused on ourselves. We're not focused on the independence of ourselves and how we feel. The devil wants to cloud our purpose and he wants to get us off purpose. But what's our purpose? Well, we are supposed to hear at New Creation Church, our vision is to love, lift, and reach people. How can we do that if we have grievances with one another? We can't, not properly. So here's the second one. Let your gentleness be known. Well, that's humility. And you know, humility means swallowing something so that we can walk together. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? But are we going to agree on your part or my part? No, we're going to agree in God. So let your gentleness be known. You know, one was you oughta, and one was so touchy. But we got to let our gentleness be known. A lot of times in a, in a difficult time, we're letting things be known, and it's usually not gentleness. <laughs> you know, just, just look on Facebook when you go home today. You'll see probably half or more of the stuff there is somebody's upsetness, grievance, or, you know, a, a disagreement with somebody or what they, you know, are having a problem with. Let your gentleness be known. That means that we let go of anger, we let go of strife, we let go of a desire to be right, we let go of gossip, we let go of the need for validation, and we let our gentleness be known. That's humility. 1 Timothy 4 tells us that we have to weigh our personality with the teaching. It says that there were gifts that were imparted to us by the laying on of hands. But then he gives instruction and he says, look to your personality and your teaching and hold fast to these things. What? Your teaching and the gifts that God has put on the inside of you and put your personality in a place where it comes into line with what God's taught us. You know, sometimes our personalities are overwhelming. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> But let our gentleness be known. Any strength that overpowers somebody else is, has now become a weakness. So we work together. Let our gentleness be known as we work together. Now here's number three. Show your best. Show your best. When others show their worst, we're going to show our best. And what is that? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit working in us. Why? He tells us the Lord is at hand. He's coming soon. So I looked up this word hand in my Strong's Concordance, and I found something really interesting about it. When it says the Lord is at hand, I knew this, the Lord is near, that we should lean to him. But there's a word picture in the Strong's Concordance, and it's this. It says a hand 
on a throttle, squeezing the throttle. There's a picture that comes with this. The Lord is at hand. And I thought, oh man, that's good. Because what he's telling us is, we need to kick it into a new gear. We need to get out of the flesh and out of ourself and go into a supernatural gear and lean on him. So we go to a different place. We want to show our best. And that means walking in the fruit of the Spirit, which is uh, patience and love and joy and peace and long-suffering and all of those good fruits of the Spirit. But they don't just naturally happen from us. We have to kick it into a new gear. The Lord is at hand. So, <laughs> uh, oh, and I also uh, had this in my notes. You know, the devil plays upon our insecurities. That's why you ought to, and so touchy, just hit us in those places. But the devil plays upon our insecurities. But insecurity lives in the place between us and the cross. The things that we have not laid down at his feet, the things that we have not put before him, that's where insecurity gets a foothold in our life. We have to come to the cross with all of those insecurities. Okay, and here's the next one, number four. Be anxious for nothing but pray. Pray. Prayer is so vital to our walk. And what happens in prayer? Well, we give God things in prayer. We give it over to him. That's that place where we're coming to the foot of the cross. And we give it to him. And guess what? It takes the focus off of us, and it puts all the focus on him. It releases us of what's in us so he can fill us with himself. And he wants us to be a people wholly filled and flooded with himself so that we can reach the world with his power and love. So it's wonderful to be anxious for nothing but to pray, to pray, bring it to prayer. And have you ever got worried or distressed or upset or even offended because you've taken someone else's offense? You know, here's a way to stop it. If we're offended, take it, it to prayer. Don't take it to somebody else. Take it to prayer. And if we have received an offense for someone else, we can stop it right there, and we can take it to prayer and let it go. Be anxious for nothing but pray. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, turn everything that is a care into a prayer. Care is an intrusion into God's province and function. Oh, I'll tell you what. You know, have you ever uh, come to a job or maybe in your family? Everybody has their function, right? Everybody has their thing that they do. Well, this is God's thing that he does. He deals with cares. So we need to take it to him. And what will prayer do? Well, it puts the whole thing in the hands of God, who is the only person who can deal with people's hearts. And we all know that Uada needs their heart dealt with. <laughs> Guess what? So touchy needs their heart dealt with. So when we take it to prayer, we are putting it in the hands of the only one who can do that. And here's another thing. Prayer and praise go together. Praise is the highest form of prayer. So when we get into that prayer closet, we can praise. But guess what praise is? It's a sacrifice. 
Hebrews tells us that we bring the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to God. Well, there it is. Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. It's the fruit of our lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. It's a sacrifice. But guess what? Wherever there's a sacrifice, that means something dies. <laughs> and in the sacrifice of praise, we're not bringing animals. We're bringing our thoughts, our opinions, our desires, our hurt, whatever it is. We're bringing that, and we're bringing it, and we're bringing it as a sacrifice, and we take up praise. Praise will change the situation. So what happens in that prayer closet? Well, we receive strength, we receive peace, we receive renewed purpose, we receive the ability to go out and to love, lift, and reach people, even the people within our own body. Wow, it's good. All right, let's go on to number five. Number five, let peace guard you. That means inner strength. You don't have peace if you don't know peace. See, he is the Prince of Peace. And we can't have peace unless we know him. So we draw from something on the inside of us, and that's an inner strength. Romans 12, 18 tells us this. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Oh boy, well God, I just don't think it's possible. <laughs> I just don't see how it's possible to be at peace with that person. They are so you oughta. They're so touchy. <laughs> no, it's possible. Why? Because all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. With him, all things are possible. So we know peace with God is salvation. The peace of God comes from being in his presence and knowing him. But peace with each other, that's a whole different story. Because now we have to rely on what we've been taught and we have to walk in love. We have to put to practice the things that we have been taught. And you know, that's not always easy. But it's practicing the word that'll cause us to grow. This is truly the meat of the gospel. Practicing the word. It's truly doing the will of God when we practice the word. All right, here's number six. We're moving through them quick. You can go back to Philippians and, and rehearse them uh, later. But here's number six. Think on what is pure. That means control our thought life. And you know, whether we think we can or can't, we can we can control our thought life by our spirit. So Philippians 4, 8, it's just so good. We'll read it again. It says, for the rest. And you could read it like this, for the rest, the rest of the instruction. Or you could read it like this, for the rest, for the peace, for the calm, for the anti-anxiety place, <laughs> for the rest Brethren, whatever is true, whatever is worthy of reverence and is honorable and seemly, whatever is just, 
whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and lovable, whatever is kind and winsome and gracious, if there is any virtue and excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, that's our check right there. Do our thoughts, are they worthy of praise? The things I'm speaking, are they worthy of praise? See, I know there's a moment where we come before the Lord and we go, they were so mean to me. <laughs> but we leave with his peace and being filled and strengthened. And guess what? The things that should be coming from us next are things that are worthy of praise. And it goes on and it says, think on and weigh and take account of these things. Fix your minds on them. And you know what? It takes work. But I'm telling you, this is the heart work that we do so God can move in our midst. It's work to discipline our thought life. It's work. But we can control our thought life. You know, Ephesians 6.10 talks about the armor of God. And part of that armor is truth. It's the belt of truth. It holds us, it holds everything up in our life. We can't let our feelings dominate and take us to places that are not truth. So the truth stands, and we have to really bind ourselves to the truth. You know, we'll be so tempted to get off of it. We'll be so tempted to follow our feelings. But God has given us this word and this truth for a reason, because he wants us to grow, and he wants us to be effective, and he wants us to reach the world, and he wants us to be the best people that we can be, so when we come into his presence, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. You did everything I called you to do. You planted yourself, and you flourished in that place where I planted you, and you were effective. Look at all of these people who are here because of what you did. Oh man, disciplining my thought life starts, starts that whole process. It's huge. All right, here's the next one. Do what you've learned to do. Do what you've learned to do. You know, Paul told them, he said, uh, let me find it, it's on the next page. He says this, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Wow. He says, you have heard my words. You have heard my prayers. You have seen how I have acted. You have received teaching from me. You know, that tells me that Paul's life wasn't different than what he taught. His life wasn't something different. He says, practice what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. You know, I wonder about that time when he got stoned. <laughs> Not stoned like 420, stoned <laughs> with rocks. <laughs> I wonder about that time. Was he acting on the word? Well, yeah, he was doing what he had learned to do. From who? Well, from Jesus. He was learning because he had studied and he had found out who Jesus was and there was an anointing that he was leaning on. Oh, my it says, and model your way of living on it, and the God of peace 
of untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be with you. Wow. Do what you've learned to do. You know, Paul went through a whole lot of things. He was put in jail. He was abused and accused, and he was beaten and stoned and all of those things. He was in shipwrecks, but apparently, all of those times, he was leaning on the Lord because he said, do what you have received and heard and seen and learned from me. What a testimony. How powerful is that? You know, the closer our relationships are, the more prone they are to strife. The closer we work with people, and that means marriages, families, co-workers, people in the body of Christ, the closer our relationships are, the more opportunities we have to get in strife with people. But Paul was an example of walking in love with people. And guess who else? Jesus was an example of walking in love with people. Go with me real quick over to Romans 13, 13. This is such a powerful scripture because it tells us how we keep ourselves in that place. It says, let us live and conduct ourselves honorably and becomingly as in the open light of day, not in reveling, carousing, and drunkenness, not in immorality and debauchery. Well, of course, we wouldn't do any of that. And then he says, not quarreling and in jealousy. Oh, boy. <laughs> See, I thought it was just the really bad stuff that we had to avoid. But no, quarreling is part of it. Quarreling and jealousy. And then he tells us how. He says, but clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and make no provision for indulging in the flesh. Put a stop to thinking about the evil cravings of your physical nature to gratify its desires and lusts. You know, we think lust is like, you know, just, just you know, having to do with the debauchery and the, the immorality and stuff. But guess what? We're, we're participating in that when we're quarreling, when we're in strife with people. So Paul had learned these things by experience, and he understood that we have to guard ourselves and manage ourselves by the Holy Spirit. And it's important that we do that, that we let the Holy Spirit be our, our guard. Oh, oh, I wouldn't say that if I was you. You know what? Just let it go. I have this saying in my closet that says, never attribute to malice what can be easily explained by stupidity. <laughs> Basically, it means, don't say they meant to do that. Maybe they just didn't know. Have you ever said something when the Holy Spirit was telling you not to? Just doesn't turn out well. <laughs> it just doesn't. And the Lord knows that a house divided against itself will never stand. And that's why he is so strong in his instruction to us about this. But here's the last one. Number eight, know the power of unity and love. Know the power of unity and love. 
It means that we honor who we are and being the body of Christ. It means that we understand that he made us one for a purpose and that we look at that as a privilege. Instead of a have to go to church, it's a get to be with my brothers and sisters. It's a get to. There's power in unity and in love. And Lester Summerall said this. He said, if the gifts of the Spirit are to function in any church body, two things must be present, and they are love and unity. Two things must be present, love and unity. And you'll notice in Corinthians, we have the, the chapters that are right next to each other about love and about the gifts. San love is sandwiched in there. Love and unity. It's the foundation and the motivation of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So, soon to K, so touchy, means this. Her name means fate. And if you are so touchy, your fate is to always be offended. <laughs> we don't want to be offended. We don't want to walk as the offended. We want to walk as those who are walking in love. Euodia, Euoda, her name means aroma. And what is it that we turn and say to each other on so many Sundays, right? That there's a fragrance of Christ that follows us. We want that fragrance of the Lord to be about us. Not a stinky fragrance, not a bitter fragrance, not something that is hurt and offended. We repel people with that but we want the fragrance of Christ to be what people remember about us. In Ephesians 5.2, it says this, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. I'll tell you, when Jesus laid it all down and he picked up love and he went to the cross for us, God said, oh, this smells so good. <laughs> this is a sweet-smelling aroma. But you know what? When we walk in love with our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, it's the same. He goes, good for you. Oh, man, that smells so good. That smells so good. And isn't it funny that our obedience has a fragrance to it? Wow. God wants us to have a powerful church, but that means we walk in love and in unity. Love and unity. So eight ways that we can deal with offenses in the body, we can deal with the things that get under our skin, we can deal with the differences in each other, even in our personalities, you know. We can deal with it and we can heal. God wants us to walk in health so that we can take it to others. So we do the heart work. The heart work. Yeah, it's hard work. But the heart work prepares us for the moving of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, it's a good message. And if you want to refresh yourself in it, 
Just read Philippians 4 over and over this week. It's awesome. It's in there. But right now, we're talking about doing the heart work. And the thing that really makes our heart ready to do this is that we've received Christ. And so I want us to pray before we go today. We have people joining us online. They're always joining us online. People who know or even don't know our church. And I want us to give an opportunity to receive Jesus into our heart this morning. So let's all just pray together and you repeat after me. Say, Father, I thank you that you love me. And in spite of all of my past, you have a future for me that's bright. I thank you for your son. I desire him. And I choose now to turn from my way and to turn my heart to you. I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe that Jesus died for my sin and he rose from the dead that I could be forgiven. So I call Jesus the Lord of my life today and I choose to follow you and to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And you know, it does us good to continue to pray that prayer because we're surrendering ourselves again. It's like a consecration. It's not that we get saved over and over again, but we do consecrate ourselves to his way, to his plan, and to uh, living for him. Amen? Amen? Amen. So that's it for today. I hope you got something out of it. Amen. God's good. So let's say this as we go. What God did in Christ Jesus far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. Amen.